So Jonah chapter 4. Whenever you hear a story, tell a story, you want a great ending. And that probably should have happened last week because we don't like things to fall apart. Jonah has a meltdown in chapter 4. So you, you kind of think, you know, this would have been a little better if, you know, God sends Jonah to Nineveh. Nineveh run, or Jonah runs away, uh, takes a ship. He is swallowed by a great fish. He is uh, puked up on the shore. And God a second time says, go to Nineveh and preach. And so he goes to Nineveh. He preaches. And the whole city believes. End of story. It would have been a great story. But you come to chapter 4, and you find that Jonah is not a happy camper. He's angry. He's upset. And you're thinking, well, what's, what's wrong? And yet I think that as you, you read through this last chapter, we can see ourselves in a lot of ways. If there were an afterword, in other words, if we had an appendix or, you know, the last, uh, you have the last chapter of the story and then you have, you know, the afterword, it, it probably should have read something like this. And Jonah stayed in Nineveh for two and a half years and taught them publicly and house to house about how to follow the Lord. <laughs> that kind of sounds like the Apostle Paul, right? Goes to a city, city believes, he stays there for a period of time and teaches those things. But... That's not what happens here. And it is a bit shocking when you see the man of God, the prophet, having a meltdown. He, he is not doing well. He is angry. And you say, well, what is he angry about? He is angry about everything. Have you ever got to that point where you're just angry? Well, this is where we find Jonah. And he is God's spokesman. He has followed notable figures that we read about in Scripture, such as Elijah and Elisha. He is a contemporary of Hosea and Amos uh, during the reign of Jeroboam II. His assignment was the northern kingdom. You have northern kingdom, southern kingdom. This is where Elijah and Elisha were as well. And uh, preaching truth. Prophets are ones that preach the truth. And this is what he was called to do. He was uniquely called to go outside of the realm of God's people, Israel, and go up to a city 550 miles away to the northeast called Nineveh. It was along the Tigris River. It was a great city, great in many ways, great in its wickedness, great in its violence, great in its size, great in its power. In fact, Nineveh was the central capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which was fast becoming the greatest power in all of the world. So it was a very intimidating city. And of course, when we read about the Jews, they're very much of a, a, a people of God. And yet from the very beginning, God's design was to bless his people so that they might bless the rest of the world. And we see that unfolding not just in the gospel where Christ said that, of him that he came into his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave you power to be called the sons of God. So this is Christ. This is also from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. The city of Nineveh was 90 miles in circumference. 
the inner and outer walls, there was an inner wall and an outer wall. Both of these were 50 feet wide and 100 feet tall. Now the term 120,000 souls and much cattle, this is describing the number, is more of a generic number to describe countless people. So it, it very likely was much larger than 120,000 people. Incredibly wicked, incredibly violent. One writer described these four chapters this way. Chapter one, Jonah running from God. <laughs> Chapter two, Jonah running to God. Chapter three, Jonah running with God to Nineveh. And chapter four, we'll look at today, Jonah running against God. That's a bit of a scary place to be. But when we look at this last chapter, we'll see Jonah's anger and God's answer. So just two points to this message, Jonah's anger and God's answer. We'll make a few applications at the end. In verse 1, it says, It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. So Jonah goes up to Nineveh, preaches to this incredibly intimidating city, and there is wholesale repentance. They believe. They have repentance and faith. The entire city, the king has ordered fasting, sackcloth, ashes, even the animals. The whole city. Now, we would say that's a successful evangelistic campaign. And Jonah says, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I told you when I was running away that this would happen. <laughs> so you think, and then he starts describing about God, um, his attitude toward this. He said, he said, this is the way you are. You're just and righteous. He, we, of course, we know that. He's a merciful God. He gives really two couplets. He says, gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and full of mercy. Now, I would say those are great attributes, wouldn't you? I mean, most people would say, you know, what he had, he had marked, I knew you were this way. I knew you were this way. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew you were gracious. I know you're kind. I know you're patient. I knew it. <laughs> so you think something is wrong here. So uh, these four, let's just kind of, this describes God. And he's right on this. By the way, Jonah's theology is right. His heart is not. It's very possible for us to become believers like that. We have a right theology, we have a wrong heart, we have a wrong attitude. That's exactly what we find about the Pharisees in the New Testament, isn't it? 
You know, Jesus said, <laughs> you know, you, you hear what they're teaching? They've got, they've got their theology right, but their hearts are far from me. So gracious, the word gracious means favor toward those who are disadvantaged. And wasn't Jesus a champion of the disadvantaged? He was. And God delights to do that. And there are many ways you can be disadvantaged. He is compassionate. And literally, this means in the Hebrew, from the womb, a maternal concern. In other words, he is not just reaching out to the disadvantaged. He has, he has an instinctive care for them like a mother for a child. I laughed at this next one, slow to anger. You know what, literally in the Hebrew it says, long nostrils. So when I read that, I thought, long nostrils. Because I usually look up the words of each, each of these things. Long nostrils, which was an, an idiom, uh, an expression. You know how when someone, their nostrils will flare when they get mad? I know a few people like that. I've probably been like that too. You know, your eyes are get big, your nostrils are flaring, and it says long nostrils. In other words, they do not flare. God is patient and full of mercy. The last one, full of mercy. He gives more than is deserved. God gives more than is deserved. Now you think about that. That is true for every person here. So, the preaching that Jonah had, consistent with all of the prophets in the Old Testament, was a, a preaching of judgment to come. In fact, John the Baptist preaching this way, Christ preaching this way, a call to repentance, a call that judgment will come. But inherent with that, is the possibility of repentance. There is the possibility of salvation. And this is what Jonah knew. He said, if I go up there and say that in 40 days, this, this city is going to be turned upside down. Remember the other meaning of that word? It could be that they repent and are transformed, and I don't want that. They need to pay. Even in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, we read in Genesis, and, and typically we think of Sodom and Gomorrah as the most wicked city, cities in all of Scripture. And what happened to them? God rained down from heaven fire and sulfur and destroyed completely those cities. But what did God do right before in his conversation with Abraham? Abraham was interceding for these people, and, and, and he said, God, if they're, if they're 50 righteous, would you spare us it for 50? It got all the way down to five. And, or to 10, 10 people for 10 righteous, and he wouldn't destroy the city. And then there were three men that show up. One, I believe, is a what we call Christophany, an appearance of Christ, and two angels go into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is their opportunity, that city, to repent. 
This is the grace of God. This is the goodness of God. That, yes, judgment is coming. You are already condemned. I didn't come here to condemn you. You are already condemned, and your condemnation will result in death. But these two angels come in, and there is another opportunity, probably many preceding that as well. Psalm 30, verse 5, talking about God's anger. Because God does have anger and hatred towards sin. Anything that would defile his holiness, anything that would be hurtful to us. He says, his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. So why was Jonah burning with anger? What's the problem? He wanted the 